I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth in Mission. 39 years ago, on June 23, 1982, the death of one man changed the course of Asian American history and organizing. His name was Vincent Chin, and he was a young Chinese American in Detroit who was beaten to death by two white men just days before his wedding. The reason? There was a growing insecurity and deep anger about the threat of the Japanese car industry against American auto workers. Choked by imports and fighting for survival, the American auto industry and its army have targeted Japan as a major source of its problems. And Chen, a Chinese American, was killed by two auto workers who thought he was Japanese. The light sentencing of both those men lit a spark in the Asian American community like never before. And in what outraged the Asian community, both escaped a 15-year prison term. Instead, they were placed on three years probation and given a $3,000 fine. For the first time in the United States, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Korean Americans, and other Asian American groups rallied together in recognition of their shared injustice in the country. At the forefront of the movement was Lily Chin, Vincent Chin's mother. And I lost everything. I just, he is my own son. I lost him. I lost my, my daughter, my future daughter-in-law. I lost everything, and I lost my life. One person who flew to San Francisco Chinatown to be by Lily Chin's side was Black political activist and one-time U.S. presidential nominee, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Martin Luther King was killed. Jesus the Christ was killed. He was the first national political leader of any race to speak out against racial violence towards Asians. And it inspired coalition building between marginalized communities for generations. This past week, Reverend Jackson returned to San Francisco Chinatown to remind people of the importance of interracial solidarity. Today, he is 79 years old, and he is currently battling Parkinson's disease. But he was fiery nonetheless, speaking to a crowd in Chinatown's Portsmouth Square. See God, does that make a mistake? I am somebody. I am somebody. As a wave of violent attacks against Asian elders continues today, seemingly perpetuated mostly by people of color, Asian and Black solidarity remains a painful challenge in the Bay Area. One man who organized alongside Reverend Jesse Jackson decades ago is longtime San Francisco Chinatown activist Reverend Norman Fong. For years, he's convened meetings of different ethnic groups in the Bay Area, and he also led the Chinatown Community Development Center, the largest nonprofit organization in the neighborhood. Today, I am joined by Reverend Fong to discuss why Reverend Jesse Jackson's return to Chinatown was so significant and what it will take to heal the divide between Bay Area Asian and Black communities. Reverend Fong, this week marks the anniversary of Vincent Chin's death, and There's been this renewed interest in what happened with Chin. What do you think are the lessons from Chin's murder that we're still grappling with today? Yeah, when uh, Vincent Chin was killed, there were um, so much anti-Asian hate against um, Japanese car makers. I mean, people were bashing 
you know, Hondas and Toyotas. And um, his killing reminds us that, um, especially in Asian America, we've always been the scapegoats um, whenever times get bad. And so um, I think that the big lesson we've learned is that we're in the struggle against racism together. But instead, we just keep looking at it from our own points of view and not seeing the big picture. So remember the big picture. Racism has been a part of America for so long. So Vincent Chen, even though he's Chinese, not Japanese, was baseball batted to death. And today marks uh, uh, the 39th anniversary of when he died. Um, but um, the good news is that this past week, we've also had an inspiring visit from the one and only Reverend Jackson who came back in the early eighties to back us up. Um, a lot of us were, um, from different Chinatowns across the country and Asian American communities, we were talking about how come we're not getting traction on social justice or racial justice for Vincent Chin. And we realized that we needed to uh, organized differently and more broadly. And so Reverend Jackson came in, the first national black leader and uh, who keeps hope alive, uh, came to um, where I worked, which was Cameron House and I'm a Presbyterian minister. And he just beamed with uh, so much power and the same story though, used, used um, in the black community. I am somebody, right? Keep hope alive and all that. I felt the same way as an Asian American. Um, I felt like we, our voices are never heard. We're not somebody that people listen to. And together it turned into an amazing synergy that jump-started one of the biggest Asian American movements in this country. And it, you know, got us engaged in civil rights and each other's struggle. It's my dream to bring Reverend Jackson back. It always was. And I was planning for it originally for next year, which would be the 40th anniversary. But because he had Parkinson's and we, we, we can't assume, you know, we can wait that long. And also with all the hate now, the blatant, you know, beating on elderly and all this stuff, uh, we need him now. And he came and he made through and came through with flying colors. His passion is still there. I love you, Reverend Jackson. He was like my mentor in the movement back then. And can you tell me more about how Reverend Jesse Jackson's role in organizing around Vincent Chin's death really sort of changed the conversation? Yes. Um, there are too many conversations going on on the street level and uh, between communities that is terrible. There's prejudices and stereotypes of each other's community. Uh, and, and so when Reverend Jackson he says, there's one struggle against racism. There's just one, but it hits on many cultural fronts, right? Maybe the Chinese thinks, oh, it's immigration laws, or Latinos, the same thing. And uh, Blacks um, very upset now because they see the demographics in the San Francisco Bay Area going so low for them. And then at the same time, we're the largest Asian American demographic in any city in America. So you, you can see, wow, 
how it can all be misinterpreted or multi-layered in a way that um, upsets folks. We got to be smarter. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. And racial solidarity has been such an important part of your contributions to the community. How would you, Reverend Fong, describe what the relationship is between Black and Asian communities in the Bay Area right now? You're not trying to get me in trouble, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, no. (laughs) Like I said, um, some of us get it and some don't. And um, we need to be really smart. Uh, One of the things I learned um, with Reverend Jackson helping us out back in the 80s was that um, it's too often that we just fight for our own community and can't see the links. And Reverend Jackson taught me that. Look at the rainbow, man. Everybody's in it together. Um, In the Bay Area, I thought we were uplifted to a more progressive and liberal understanding community, but no, it's it's the same. And the trick is uh, between the Asians and Blacks, if that's the groups we're talking about, there's misinformation, there's understanding about each other's history that we need to address. And the second thing is, and I learned this actually from bringing my Chinatown organizers to LA during the Rodney King you know, and the anti-Korean thing that happened there, you know, with the killing of a young black girl over orange juice. Mm-hmm. Wow, that created a lot of anti-Asian hate and uh, it's understandable. But what I learned from meeting with black and Korean organizers in LA was do everything in solidarity, do everything. You don't just stand up with your own group and, and like even highlight these racist videos uh, without someone there uh, from the other community. And, and it's a way of thinking. And and um, I think with Black Lives Matter, because um, we connected Vincent Chin to George Floyd on purpose at these rallies, mm-hmm. is that we have to look at them and interpret them together. Somebody you've, somebody you've say, you know, at this time, how do we heal Asian Black uh, communities? They all agree that ethnic studies should start right at kindergarten. You know, uh, you know, little things like that, they make a difference. And then we have to take the risk of expanding our world. One thing I want is for more inter-ethnic dialogues. Reverend Jackson, for, for over 40 years, I've been in touch with him on different issues. And it's it's really caring about each other's community and adding it to your daily agenda. And that might be the beginnings of a a true community uh, uh, sharing. Do you think that this does boil down? You mentioned the lack of ethnic studies education as part of the issue. We know that, or many people actually don't know this, that the Asian American identity and community was so shaped by the civil rights movement, by the organizing, by the Black community. But somehow that kind of history eludes so many people. Does this boil down to education, ultimately? Yeah, education for sure, but recognition 
of what racism really is in America. Mm -hmm. um, people don't know from Black Lives Matter movement, they, everybody knows now that, about the institution of the police and incarceration. But a lot of people don't understand that it's deeper than that. There are two Americas. It always happens when times are bad. So for us as Asian Americans, we know, we knew what happened in our history. I'm with the Presbyterian Church in Chinatown, the oldest Chinese church in America. We began in 1853 when no one accepted Chinese in the, to the hospitals. Nobody accepted you know, Chinese to even a jobs, right? All the unions organized with the theory that the Chinese must go. I mean, it, racism is used to unify whites, basically. And mm. that's the big picture of racism to understand it. Now it's easier to talk about because of Black Lives Matter. It, some people were saying, oh no, all lives matter. But that was just an excuse again of not addressing a true racism. But Reverend Fong, this is a harder question. I mean, what do you think is happening right now? There, There's so much violence that we're seeing play out, these horrifying attacks against Asian American elders that are seemingly perpetuated by people of color. What What is happening from your perspective after decades of activism? And we know that this isn't a new issue, but what's happening in this moment right now? So at the moment, I think we, we've gone a little too overboard on videos just showing Blacks beating on the elderly. Um, in a recent study, they said 71% of those racist acts against Asians are by whites. And so it's skewed in how we interpret it. And then especially if in the Chinese media, if they're just showing that, that, that really hurts us. I think uh, it is pretty bad though. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't stand any senior getting pushed or beaten on. So, but we have to reinterpret it, re-envision it and, and find some positive stories too. I mean, that's why we brought Reverend Jesse Jackson back. We needed, some positive stories. We needed him now. We need that celebration of we're in it together, one struggle, many fronts, uh, and, and see that all our suffering fits together. And President Trump wanted to scapegoat us again on the virus, um, the hate virus. And I believe it was a political strategy uh, sometimes when they do that. Perpetual foreigners. That's what we sometimes feel like. and But we know, I mean, in the Bay Area, it should be different. We know our own history. I mean, we have institutions that we started, Chinese hospital, because we weren't allowed. I mean, so we, um, um, as the oldest Chinatown in America, and also with allies out there in other communities, I think we do get it in some ways. But it's a hard fight to fight. The end goal is... Dr. King's, which influenced me, um, building the beloved community. That's what it's, it, it's about. I mean, we are almost four decades after Vincent Chin's death. You've been working on issues of racial solidarity for so long. It seems like there's just this huge amount of healing that's needed on both sides because there's so much hurt and fear between these people two communities, Asian and Black communities. I mean, after 
decades of all this work, do you feel hopeful that that's even possible? I'm a follower of Reverend Jackson. Keep hope alive. So I keep hope alive because I keep thinking there, if there's enough of us that want to try out love over hate uh, in concrete ways, especially in San Francisco, we can be a model for so many other cities and, and places. Um, so I don't give up. Um, I, I, I cry when I see the hurt, but I've learned that I need to cry and feel hurt with other communities. Yes, I came out of retirement and I am actually working as a community ambassador for Chinatown CDC. Now I can do actually more of what I wanna do, which is build bridges between communities. It's not easy. I want to build positive cultural, multicultural solidarity in my life. And so I'm actually um, feeling a little more useful right now. <laughs> Do you feel like this moment after a year of racial reckoning, all this increased attention on anti-Asian hate, that building those bridges is more possible than it was maybe 39 years ago when Vincent Chin died? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling excited. So I'm hoping for a bigger and more broader and impactful movement. The civil rights really did the big change first. Good, step one. But we can never stay at that level. We have to uh, rethink and recreate all our institutions in a more inclusive way. But I also know that uh, those who want to stay in their white world uh, and deny access to all other people of color and San Francisco Bay Area, I, I feel I see some positive changes going on. I, I, I think we can do this. But Reverend Jackson stepped it up in honor of Vincent Chin and uh, that act of love. And it was love. I'm so glad to hear that you're hopeful about what comes next. Reverend Fong, it was an honor to speak with you. Uh, Asian and Black solidarity is such a tough topic, and I appreciate you sharing your insights and experience with me. Okay, thank you for inviting me, Cecilia. Keep hope alive, everybody. Keep hope alive. Vincent Chin was 27 years old when he was killed. Today, he would have been 66 years old. I'd like to thank my guest, Reverend Norman Fong, for joining me, and special thanks to Karen Creighton for her help and to you for listening. <laughs> 